0: I want to talk to you. I've been on a series about an open heaven, and I want to go to Genesis, the 28th chapter, and I want to read about what happened to Abraham and Sarah's grandson. You know, it's amazing reading about Abraham and Sarah, but then you see uh, the son and and then the grandson and their family. It's about descendants. It's about generation after generation, and we see in Genesis, the 28th chapter in verse 10, Jacob... Tired from a trip between Beersheba to Haran, he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. So it was uh, sunset and uh, they didn't have incandescent lights. And the, I imagine there was a campfire and there was some dry bread and they ate some provisions. And then he took some stones, a stone of the place and put it under his head and lay it down on that place. So it's just a guy laying down out in the open air and he's taking a nap, maybe under a tent. I, it doesn't really say here. I like to think it's in the open air because of the next thing that he had. He had a dream, but he could have had it in a tent. Verse 12, he had a dream. He had a dream. Man, when somebody has a vision, they'll run, they'll endure, record the vision, make it plain on tablets so the one that reads it may run. We have a vision here. Jesus said he build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God had us in uh, so many years ago, fasting and praying, come back to St. Louis to build a home base in Chesterfield from which to reach the nations of the world. That's why this morning when I got a text from a friend in Jerusalem, it made sense to me. That's why when I got a, a live stream sent to me from Kosovo, from a friend in Kosovo, that made sense to me. It makes sense to me that shore to shore, island to island, region to region, God is opening a door no man can shut. He said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That makes sense to me that even though we didn't get to have Easter together, we didn't get to do jump together for the first time in over 20 years, uh, you know, that we're still yet solid because uh, we have cords that cannot be broken. Our glue is the super glue of the Holy Spirit. Our foundation is the solid bedrock of Jesus Christ himself. His word is a lamp to our feet. It's the guidance for our lives. And as we walk in the word, the winds will crash, the waves will blow. There was a family that went to Gulf Shores to take a vacation only to find out that the weather report was not as clear as they thought it was. Their 11-year-old, the doors blew open in their condo and the 11-year-old was sitting on the floor, scooting across the floor on a 22-story building, pushing from one side to the other, but God delivered the family. That's the third family I know of in our church that have endured different hurricanes. One was in the Caribbean, one was in uh, Puerto Rico, and this one was in Gulf Shores. I know a whole church group that overcame a flood. I know a country that has overcome insurrection, anarchy, tyranny, so forth, and that the grace of God is upon us that the plan of God is coming to pass. The gates of hell cannot prevail against what God is leading us. And unless the Lord builds a house, they that build it labor in vain. So we're adamant to make sure we're not out ahead of God and we're not lagging behind. I wanna teach you today about these open doors and about this open heaven. Look what it says here. It says, he had a dream. Jacob had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth in verse 12 with its top reaching up to heaven And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending. This is so important because prior to the fall of man, heaven and earth were in tremendous union. There was no disruption. There was no barrier at all. Sin had not entered in. And there was an amazing interaction between God's holiness and humanity's pre-fall glory. It was a beautiful thing. And then, unfortunately, sin came in and there became barriers and blockades. And here, God bores a hole through that, sticks a ladder down that Jacob and you and I could relate to. A ladder is a device that causes connection. You need a ladder to get up and clean out your gutters, which you're about ready to have to do pretty soon. And ladders help you to get up and have an advantage to be able to see. Well, what God did is he put a ladder from him to earth and had angels of God going, ascending, and descending on it. They're the messengers, ministering spirits set to those who are heirs of salvation, those that comforted Jesus in the wilderness, those who spoke and talked to Mary and to Joseph and to Elizabeth and Zechariah about the foreshadowing of things yet not seen. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And boy, that has come to pass. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, salvation comes through the Jews. And then Paul was called by God and he was called to the Gentiles and their kings and to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And God anointed him and God opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. It was in a moment in Acts chapter 13 when there were just a handful of people praying and he said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. I'm going from the New Testament to the Old Testament and back again because I'm trying to apply things to us in 2020. This is a year of dedication. It's a year of impartation and it's a year of refreshing. The Lord spoke that to me in 1998, way ahead of this whole moment we're in. The beginning of the year before we had the pandemic, the Lord spoke the word focus to me. Focus is to be central in our thinking. And in the Latin word for focus, it has to do with the fireplace and the hearth and the place of home. The fire of the Holy Spirit brings us into focus. And the home is where the heart is. And the home is is a homing device to our church, to our church body. This is God's house. Jesus is the head of this house. And it's our dedication that we come in and bring to him. And the result then is he pours out impartation. And then he pours out seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And he that refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So we're under instruction, for example, to gather foods so we could give to people during this pandemic. We've been giving, we've been sending trip teams down. What though we might not be able to do build a bag like we did year by year to connect with the city ambassadors and in hundreds and hundreds of us together, we'll still be able to get some sustenance and some provision into uh, people's lives to let them know there's a God in heaven who cares about you and there are people that are connected with him that walk in love, that are prophetic, that are led by the Holy Spirit and that are instant and ready in season and out of season no matter what. He said, your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east and to the north and the south, and in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Jewish people, observant Jews, believe they're responsible to be a blessing to the world. In fact, while we were over there, they were working on a vaccine and there was a group up in Northern Israel that was, they had already uh, figured out some coronavirus vaccines for animals they were retrofitting, their, as soon as they heard about it, they were already retrofitting and responding to try to get something out to the people and other people like that. But the Jewish people, a man told me, they feel responsible to be a blessing to the world and they have been a blessing to the world. The law came through them, the prophets came through them, the Messiah came through them. Hallelujah. So he said, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. The text I got at 3 30 this morning was from a man who was born in South Africa, lived for a time in Nigeria, and he and his parents found their way to Israel. He's a committed Jew, he loves God in his context. And we talk a lot to each other about Jesus. And he was one of the dust particles that was distributed out into the world that was retrieved and brought back to the land. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Wow. God does stuff, and we don't even know it. The prophetic nature of Jesus is he'll come and visit his people and he'll begin to prompt us, he'll begin to stir, he'll begin to speak things to us that are without precedence, that don't have any kind of sense in our reinf- sensory reinforcement. It's a pure faith thing. And so here we are in this moment, in this season, looking at Jacob, he lays down, he has a sleep, he wakes up, and God says, that land is yours. And he, he doesn't even have a full concept for it. But yet God downloads initial aspects of the vision, And then he starts to see from that open heaven that God is interested in the affairs of humanity and he wants to help people and he's continually reaching out to us. Then that's the vertical, the horizontal is that God opens doors. Jesus, in fact, is called the door of the sheepfold. In Colossians 4.3, we're told to pray, Paul the apostle asked, for example, pray at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. I'm always praying that a door will be open for the word. In conversations with people, I pray a door of utterance, a door for the word, that people would have ears to hear, not only in moments of preaching, but even in the interaction with my family, even in, as I anticipate talking to people I work with and so forth. I'm always praying God will give me wisdom and that God will open up a door. How many of you like the idea of an open door? Jesus is the open door. Paul the apostle said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, that for me, a great door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. He said, be on the alert in verse 13, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. God is opening doors. He's, the heaven is opened. How do I know heaven is opened? Well, we saw it open for Jacob, right? Well, then we saw at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry in three of the Gospels that when he was baptized, the heaven was open. And a voice said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And then the Holy Spirit came like what? Like a dove upon him. And they saw it. People witnessed that. Then there was an open heaven over the Lord. Then after Jesus died and was buried, rose again, and then ascended, The early beginning prototype church in Acts chapter 2 gathered together in an upper room in Jerusalem, and the Bible says there was the sound like that of a rushing mighty wind and fire distributed on their heads, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was an open heaven over the beginnings of the church. Paul later on said there was a door open to a great door for effective service. Earlier on in his ministry, he prayed and they prayed, In Acts chapter 13 and by Acts chapter 14 verse 27 he came back and he told everybody that he they gathered the church together and they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles listen God has done great things but we've never passed this way before God has done we have a litany of history in the Bible Old Testament and New Testament we have examples even in our own country of amazing and profound things, exceptional things the Lord has done. And because people have uh, emphasized and hungered after God and, there, and there's and there been a craving for freedom and there's an establishment of the, these liberties, there's been, we've enjoyed a lot of blessing. There are a lot of places in the world that are gridlocked and stuck and yet God is opening a door no man could shut. In the 90s, in the late 80s and early 90s, we witnessed the opening of the of the Eastern Bloc nations and the, the dissolving of the Iron Curtain. Sir Winston Churchill, just up the street in Fulton, Missouri, coined the phrase the Iron Curtain. And yet, in that, it looked impenetrable. And with man, it, there's impossibility, but with God, all things are possible. And it takes a spirit like Jacob or like Caleb and Joshua to distinguish the times. Jacob said, Hey, I had a dream. God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. He took his pillow, he lifted it up, he poured oil on it, and he said, this is going to be a place called Bethel, meaning God is here. And, and he said, the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. In the early church, things happened, and they didn't know that to, uh, how monumental it was. The Lord has been with you through situations and hardships, even in your darkest hour that now you, you don't realize it, but later on you'll look and it will be a tribute to the mercy of God, to the grace of God. You will have noticed that was in fact an open heaven. God was restoring my fellowship with him. God was re- returning to me the joy of my salvation. And then we'll see sinners converted to him. A great harvest of souls is possible in an hour like this. The emphasis of harshness and the, the imposing of darkness that's ladening people right now, is going to facilitate an opportunity for us to win people and retrieve people from the precipice of eternity. I'm convinced that people that previously would never have considered Jesus for themselves are now gonna consider Jesus for themselves because there's only hope in him. The irreligious are gonna come to know the Lord and because you're being equipped and trained and you understand this flow and access, we just said praise and worship. Just a moment. We're just singing songs of praise, but not just singing songs of praise, because in Psalm 22, God inhabits the praises of his people. He's looking for worshipers, John chapter four, that will worship him in spirit and in truth, so he can co-mingle and connect with us. Hey, better than Jacob, I don't need a ladder. I don't need to have angels coming up and down because I already have angels. The angels of the Lord encamp around those who trust God and, and their ministering spirit sent to those who are heirs of salvation. And that they hearken unto the voice of God's word. That's why in the particular style of the way we pray, we pray scriptures, we pray the word, because angels hearken unto the voice of the word. And God wants us to bring his word to him. We pray in the spirit because we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us with groanings too deep for words. This is our moment, there's an open heaven, there are open doors. It's not just symbolism, it's biblical fact, it's theologically sound. Since Jesus Christ, the barrier between a holy God and fallen man has been dealt with, the sin barrier has been broken by the power of Jesus Christ. And so because of his blood and because of his sacrifice and because of his name and because of his mission, we can actually stand before the Lord and have divine interaction that to me is even better than Jacob's ladder with angels and even better than that covenant. According to the scriptures, and so we see open doors where Paul goes from uh, the limitations of Jerusalem with no transport systems other than little boats and, and sandals and camels and yet and no printing presses and yet the gospel is going forth and proliferating throughout the then known world. This gospel of the kingdom is going forth in power. And we see here, well, like with Paul, a great door for effective service is open to me and there are many adversaries. He had a sense, he had an inkling that opportunity was coming. And he said, man, let's just get ready for it. Let's just be poised. Let's be in the right place at the right time. He said uh, he will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. And there, he spent a couple of years there. Uh, great things happened. Idolatry broke. God took hold of a region and turned it around. Boy, since I've entered into ministry, I've seen notable changes, notable advancement, notable improvement. I watched God retrieve the young uh, uh, baby boomers and do something with us, take us out of our rebellion and take us out of our disorientation, take us out of all the fragmentation that, that these the societal experiments that were imposed upon us occurred, that what was happening in our minds, the confusion that was coming, Jesus comes in stealthily and reveals himself to us. Cultic stuff goes to the side. Conjecture goes to the side. The basic Judeo-Christian fundamentals come to us and the necessity to be born again. Many, many hearts come to the Lord. School teachers and students, day after day after day, in my own high school in Southern California, it was so notable that even the unsaved were saying, many people are turning to Jesus. There is another opportunity. We're on the edge of it. We're on the beginnings of it right now. We've had time to think. We've had time to strategize. We've had to have social distancing, masks, stay at home, figuring out school, all these issues. You've been through so much challenge and trial, and yet here you are. Here we are with an open heaven, with open doors. And what are we to do? We fix our eyes on the living God. We set our affections on things above. Like Paul said, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong, and let all that you do, all that you do be done in love. Love is patient, love is kind, love has value. We pray for our enemies, we pray for those who despitefully use us. We're not irked, we're not annoyed, we're not vexed, we're not unhappy, because happier the people whose God is the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In Revelation, God told the Philadelphia church, that because you have a little power and have kept my name and have not denied my word, you've kept the word and not denied my name, there is open for you a door that no man can shut. Some of you have been through stuff you didn't expect, through things that are heartbreaking for you, yet having done all to stand, you stand. Realizing that God, it says in Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He opens the door. We serve the God that opens a door no man can shut. He also shuts so that we can't open. And thankfully, that helps us on all the polar ends of our personalities. There are type A mover, shaker, go-getters, and there there are contemplative, thoughtful, they that wait upon the Lord types. And then there are all types of us in between. And God can take the go-getter and do something great with the go-getter. And God can take that person that waits on the Lord, prays about it, seeks the Lord about it, and do great things with this thoughtful one. The enemy will then come in, though, and a a weakness is a strength gone too far. You could be so much a doer that you just whip up 57,000 things. That's what happened with Abraham when Sarah said, let's go to Hagar and you can have a baby, and they had an Ishmael, and that's not good. Ishmael... Has always antagonized Isaac. Ishmael was a part production of the flesh, and that was not a healthy thing. On the other hand, you could, they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength, Isaiah chapter 40. Psalm 40, I waited for the Lord, and he heard me and lifted me up out of my miry clay. That's a powerful thing, but the, the weakness of it can be procrastination, putting yourself in park, and not doing anything. That person over there gets mad at this person over here. Let's do something lest we do nothing. This person over here gets mad at that person over there. Quit being pushing ahead of God. And so the, the, the bottom line is we're fighting amongst ourselves like a herd of porcupines or a bag of cats, wet cats in a bag or whatever you want to do, hence the church. But then we can look to the head of this church. He goes, I love all y'all. And I'm opening, up, I'm opening up doors for all of you guys. Now you have to learn how to humble yourself and wait upon the Lord and get sensitive and you need those guys. And you over here, you guys need those guys so you'll get stimulated and you'll get off of your blessed assurance and you'll press on. Now listen to this, listen to this. Exodus, <laughs> Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And listen to, oh, this is, this is interesting. Exodus chapter 14 verse eight. Let's see. It says here in Exodus chapter 14, it says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. It's amazing. God was calling the Jewish people to be set free from 437 years of slavery under the bondage of the Egyptians. Moses was leading two million people, Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. And they overtook them, them camping by the sea beside a place I can't just uh, name in front of another place that I don't know how to pronounce. And then in verse 10, it says, as the Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord who wouldn't. Then they said to Moses, is it because they were, there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? So they see that the people being set free were so stuck in their slave mentality that they wanted, they wanted to go back to be stuck there instead of going forward. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Man, that's a powerful message for the people at that time. They've been in this bondage. They're now wandering out in the wilderness. Apparently, it's a one seven-day journey to go from point A to point B. But as we all know, because of murmuring, unbelief, and so forth, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 2. Verse three, what I'm teaching about today, I'm tying all together. We are in a moment. God is opening up the windows of heaven. He's given us strategy. Actually, the heavens have been opened. In real time, it is a constant moment of impartation for us. We constantly dedicate, there's constantly impartation, and there are constantly opportunities for seasons of refreshing. But we are in a prophetic moment right now, in these end time hours, Different from the Egyptians and the, and the Jews and Moses and the Pharaoh and the Red Sea, but similar to those things. Different from Jacob and the ladder and the open heaven, but similar to those things. Different from the day of Pentecost with the rushing mighty wind and the fire, but, but also distinct in our moment. The glory of the latter house will greater, be greater than the glory of the former. We're to lift up our eyes like never before and look to Jesus. We're to lift up our eyes and look to the fields that they're white to the harvest. And I just want you to apply this to yourself personally. If you're a go-getter and you're frustrated, then you need a dose of they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. If you're stuck and you're reticent and you're holding back, then you need a dose of why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to move forward, right? Everybody love me? Is that good? I just gave you the... I gave you a spoonful of sugar with a medicine with a sugar like Mary Poppins so that it'll go down. The the sweet part of it is when you're obedient to God, you'll get a breakthrough. That group will get a breakthrough. That group will get a breakthrough and all in between. God will help and prevent those of us here from whipping up 50,000 things, let's do something, lest we do nothing. And this group over here will get uh, moved upon to not stay stuck and to move forward and get out of a, uh, walking in a circle. My friend Dick Mills wrote a beautiful devotional years ago, and he, he wrote this about Deuteronomy 2.3. Turn to Deuteronomy 2.3. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy two three, And it says here in verse 1, Then he turned and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we circled Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, verse 3, you have circled this mountain long enough, now turn north. Reverend Mills says this, have you ever felt that you were going around in circles, really getting nowhere, spinning your wheels? How would you feel discovering that you were leading two million people in 40 laps around the same mountain, Mount Seir? This was the case with Moses. In his mercy, God intervened and told the people following Moses to stop that incessant circling And move onward. Can you imagine some of the people actually enjoying the circuit? Through the years, the path they took had become well marked and easily recognized. The predictability and the familiarity made it easy for them to make uh, another go around. He said, I can ever hear some of them saying, I like this mountain. I know what, it, what to avoid, uh, what to look for, forward to, and what to expect. I've made friends all around this mountain, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again. One thing was wrong with the 40 laps and the people were making uh, that, that the people were making. They were not getting anywhere. The Lord ended the predictable routine by stating, "You have circled this mountain long enough. turn and go in another." direction. It's time for you to break out of your rut. It's time to break the bubble. It's time for new dynamics, new dimensions, new directions. You have been going around in circles long enough. I had a staff meeting with Matt, and he said, a straight line is always a great way to go. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they circled the mountain. And I thought, well, this is tying together with my message. And I I want you to listen just for a moment I think the reason Jacob, when he laid down between Beersheba and Iran, he had that vision and that dream, without a vision, we perish. I think when Dr. Martin Luther King had a dream about bringing healing to all that segregation and all that hostility and and decades and centuries of hostility between races, I think he really got that from God and I think he handled it as best he could. I think it didn't make change since I was a child. It's not perfect, but it was better. And I think when God gives an idea, it can really bring healing to the nations and healing to the land. I remember when I was a lost teenager, I now looking back realize there must have been groups of people like you, ardent Christians, that got concerned about the counterculture and got concerned about the waywardness and the darkness that was coming so quickly on us youth. And I'm convinced I'm the product of people that prayed. God raised up things and people in those early 70s moments. And God helped address the cold formalism of the traditional church and bring the fresh, rushing mighty wind of the Holy Spirit and fresh fire. He's doing it again. And he also brought revelation to the lost souls that were going out in Eastern religion and drugs and sex and rock and roll, and they were lost. And God, like the good shepherd with his his rod and his staff, he brought us back. He retrieved us out of the pit. It's miraculous how we got saved. The things God used. The the amazing it seemed so complex and so impossible and yet God was doing such fine and wonderful things, fueled by His purposes, uh, prompted by His love, all underscored by the Word. And then He was moving throughout His people. He caused His people to be a house of prayer for the nations, and the nations were opening, doors were opening. Uh, The tide of societal darkness was turning. God was reaching in, rolling up his sleeves, and pouring out his everlasting love, and signs and wonders were following. It was a phenomenal moment. I didn't know it, but Patsy and I got saved during what's called a movement, a Jesus movement. Catherine Coleman said it was a minor movement. For me, it wasn't minor because I was a product of it. She was a Christian. She was raised in a good Christian home. She loved the Lord. She lapsed a little bit after she got out of high school into college. She then was so convicted, she came back to the Lord. I was so convicted, I came back to the Lord. It was in a context of repentance. I was so convicted, I had to get back to God. Who was convicting me? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I had been born again, so I had a conscience, and my conscience was, I was searing it, going back to the world, and then God was saying, look, I have enough of that. I want to bring you back. And his mercy came in and granted me repentance and brought me back to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah, and I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful to be able to report to you that in 2020, as we focus, as we dedicate, God is pouring out amazing equipping. God is giving us supernatural revelation. God is is bringing clarity to us, even though as we're molting and we feel like our eyes are a little bit cloudy, Don't become frustrated and don't get overly aggressive. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. But then as God says, quit crying out to me, why are the people crying out to me? Tell the people to move forward. Then we must get ready in these upcoming weeks for whatever it is that God wants us to put our hand to, however it is that God wants us to take shape on things. So hallelujah, let's all stand up on our feet right now. Having done all to stand, we stand. We're gonna stand right now. I feel an unction for us to stand on our feet. Listen, having done all to stand, we stand. Here we are, young people. Don't take the bait of the dullness and the numbness of the world to try to numb you and anesthetize you. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Church folk that have been at it a long while, recognize the day of your visitation realize that all the good things God has taught you, all the standards and practices that you've embraced, all the development of your spirit is about ready to be optimized by the Holy Spirit. He is about to cash in on the investment, the the inheritance that he's chosen for us. We, in fact, are his inheritance. I pray that you would understand what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. God looks at you as the rich, significant investment that he's made. He looks at you as the kingdom, the pearl of great price. He looks at you as sons and daughters of his that, are, that have a citizenship of heaven, that have the impartation and infusing of the Holy Spirit, that are designed to have signs, wonders, miracles, and manifestations follow you, to see you stand before your opportunities and open doors and be willing not to hesitate there, but to step in and then also to realize how great God is and to humble yourself that he also closes things and that he opens things and that you don't have to just lunge after opportunity. You're not easily manipulated. You're led by the Holy Spirit because you want to know the master's voice and you in fact do know the master's voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. You're not led by compulsion, you're not led by fear, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You're not moved by offenses, you're not moved by the manipulation of others, you are led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and he said, it's good that I go because I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all the truth. He will take from Jesus and he will reveal it to you. You are sons and daughters of the end times, you are a prophetic people, you know the master's voice. You know his voice. You know his promptings. He's designed you. His spirit bears witness with your spirit. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. For the brain and the mind and the psychic things, that's one thing. For your physical body and your sensory feelings, that's another thing. But God is a spirit, and he wants to engage you spiritually, and his word is spirit and life. So that will help you to distinguish false doctrine. That will help you to make understanding and distinction with different voices. That will help you to wade through all the things that are falsely called knowledge and all the things that have the tags of being prophetic and all the spin doctoring and all the conjecture and he will help you to be led by his spirit. And his word is a lamp to your feet and it's a light to your path. There are things for you young people to do that are anointed and powerful and divinely planned. Let the Lord show you what you're called to do and be. Seek him a little bit about it. Dedicate your time to him. Fast and pray and ask him, trust him. Show him who, ask him to show you what to educate yourself on, how to develop, what career to choose, who to ultimately marry, wade through all the options and trust God. God's made you a certain way and I come against the devil lying to you about it. And I pray, I come against confusion for God's a God of peace and not confusion. And I pray a settledness in each person's heart and mind and life in this particular church, in this particular moment, in this particular place that I'm asking you, father, to help us not to circle a mountain. He said, you have circled this mountain long enough. So in fact, it is appropriate to circle a mountain for a period of time. It is appropriate to wait for a certain amount of time, but then it's also appropriate to realize, okay, now Lord, what are you saying to me next? God will spend a lifetime preparing us for certain things. Some of you just are minding your own business, you're managing your expectations, but yet you are a prophetic people, yet you are created in Christ for good works. You're anointed with freshness and with with equipping that you have specific gifts and callings and talents. Now listen, there's something on the other side of all the oppression, all the attack, all the ridiculous darkness that you've been through, and God's anointed you to be a caregiver, a prayer warrior, somebody that loves and expresses kindness And in this season and chapter of your life. Could it be that the best is yet to come? Could it be that the greatest manifestations of God await you? Could it be that on the other side of this door that has so much oppression and so much conflict? That that as you press through it, you don't halt at the door, but you press on. Sin is crouching at the door, so we must pray God will deliver us from temptation. we got to keep our eyes on Jesus as he helps us to launch and catapult to the next level. Having done all to stand, we stand. We forget those things which lie behind. We reach forward to the things which lie ahead. The ridiculous challenges and trials you face are all now translatable as testimony. Testimony of how God's been good to you. Testimony about how God brought you through and brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. God retrieved us from the pit, pulled us out of every ditch, washed us off. The righteous fall seven times, the Lord picks them right back up. He's the, has been and always will be the glory and the lifter of your head. (laughs) Lift up the hands that hang down, strengthen the feeble knee, make straight paths for your feet, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Forget those things which lie behind. Say this with me, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I am a prophetic person called by God with inherent gifting. The Holy Spirit is on my life. His word is richly embedded in my heart. Jesus is coming back to a glorious church. Jesus is building his church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against me. I am more than a conqueror. I get my prayers answered. I am a generous giver. I am a soul winner. I forgive. I overcome. I walk in love. I am being revived. I am being equipped. God has a plan for my life, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. And happy are the people whose God is the Lord.